Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. When city planners impose unwanted changes, one person can easily feel helpless. But a group of people with a common cause might just have enough collective strength to fight that power. Let the Little Light Shine tells the story of parents, students, administrators, and students of Chicago's National Teachers Academy, a high-performing public elementary school in an African-American neighborhood, who join forces in an effort to do just that. It is about empowerment. It's about people coming together, and it's about youthful enthusiasm and to see these young people who are so imbued with energy and optimism. It's a great film. The film is called Let the Little Light Shine, and we're joined today by the director, Kevin Shaw. Kevin Shaw, welcome to Film School Radio. Thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. How did you come to know about Chicago's National Teachers Academy? The main parent participant in the movie, Elizabeth Greer, was an old elementary school friend of mine. And uh, we had lost touch, but uh, had reconnected over social media after you know 20 some odd years or so. And I noticed on social media, she was posting stories and videos about the fight to save NTA. And my memories of Elizabeth uh, from elementary school, uh, she was very quiet and shy and uh, intelligent, but you know, kind of kept to herself. And in these videos of her, uh, fighting to save her school where two kids went to a National Teachers Academy, and she had totally transformed. You know, she was speaking with such strength and, and conviction, and um, she had really just kind of channeled her inner uh, Shirley Chisholm or, or, or uh, Angela Davis fighting to save uh, NTA. And so there were two things that really struck me. One, just the entire uh, dilemma that was around this idea of transforming, closing NTA, transforming it into a high school to benefit the neighborhood's uh, wealthier residents in the South Loop, which is the fastest growing neighborhood in Chicago. Uh, but then also this idea of just an average everyday person who uh, is aw awakened and struck by a sense of activism, you know, and now uh, answering that kind of call to action and finding their voice in that journey and stepping out of a, a space where they might have felt uh, convinced that they could do the kind of work that is now necessary, the organizing and the stepping out of those uh, the, the, that comfort zone. Uh, I felt that that was something that was really intriguing and fascinating to explore as well. So I reached out to Elizabeth and spoke to her about those two things and she said hey you know we're uh, we're going to be uh, protesting in front of the mayor's uh, house tomorrow do you want to come along you know and, and so that kind of began began the journey to making uh, let the little light shine very early in the film elizabeth introduces herself to us in much of the same terms that you just described her someone who wouldn't necessarily have been she would not have thought she would be in this position or situation, and here she was. And that's the thing about the film is that we get to meet all of these very interesting people who have, I can't say it another way, they have righteousness on their side. 
and it comes across in the film. They feel the power of what they're about and what they're trying to accomplish. And I also I can't help but say as well that Rahm Emanuel seems to have been the unwanted catalyst for so many things that have happened in Chicago. I don't know if you want to speak to that. I'm just I'm I'm just putting off on a riff here, but um... no, I mean I I think on a national level, the former mayor has a certain perception of doing a lot of good for Chicago. And he and he did, you know, he did bring new businesses and and but really catered to, I would say, I think most Chicagoans believe really catered to uh, one community and didn't do enough to reach out to the communities that were in need. And I think when you look at the whole instance of, of National Teachers Academy and this idea of um, trying to do something that's going to benefit everyone, but in the process, you are harming a community that uh, is excelling, a community that has been in the neighborhood for many, many years, uh, and they're about to be disrupted. And that community happens to be black and brown people, you know, and it's always black and brown folks who are asked to um, to to sacrifice. You know, we're the ones that are always asked to take one for the team, uh, regardless of what it might do to our communities. And, you know, the 2013 school closings that happened in Chicago were more than uh, almost 50 elementary schools were closed and the majority of those were in black and brown um, uh, neighborhoods. The harm that was caused in that, and there were studies that were done many years after that, uh, was tremendous. Well, it was tremendous. Um, and so that's not considered sometimes when uh, these issues are being brought to, to the forefront. What is the harm that's gonna happen to the community. And in this particular instance, you had a community that was excelling, a school community that was excelling. They were top ranked, even by the city's own metrics. Uh, it's really an instance of, you know, if, it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, uh, it's really an instance of this school community should have been a model for what other elementary schools, especially elementary schools in, in black and brown neighborhoods could look like. And instead, uh, it was under this threat of being dismantled. Um, so that dichotomy right there is something that it just doesn't really make sense and, and was really the impetus for me to kind of explore and see what was what was going on here and, and why community was really uh, trying to do what they could to to stop this from happening. Yeah. And thank you for bringing me back to the point, which is for me watching the teachers and the students and the interactions, it felt like resources were there. The, the, the things that students need to be challenged by, to be in an environment where they are focused on, on learning. It, it was the quality of the teachers involved, quality of the administration involved in the school, all of these sort of interpersonal relationships that were being, you could see on screen, being developed. It's not rocket science to be able to to create good schools and good environments for for students to not only learn but to excel, and that's what I saw in the film. Just what you described. Why are they the ones who are taking it for the team um, in amidst all of this, and especially in the disingenuous way in which it was being presented to them, and the, the fact that these kids were so attuned to it is another thing about the film. 
Yeah, totally. I mean, the school is a great place to learn. It really is. And I think that's a credit to the administration there and those teachers and the staff. And they were led by Isaac Castellas. It really comes down to the idea of that the staff is in service to the students and not a lot of educators. There are educators who might not deem their job in that way, but at NTA, they definitely see themselves as in service to the children. They listen to the children. They're, they want to be there for them and they recognize that every child does have a gift, right? Every child has a gift, but it's up to them, to the, the educators, to figure out what that gift is and what's the best way for them to uh, have that gift grow and have them reach their potential, you know? And so I think when you have that kind of investment, that's when you can have a great school community that flourishes in every way, you know, yeah. not at, not just in terms of test taking, but in terms of true, true growth, you know, of being a, a great model citizen. I, I, I want to talk to you about kind of the logistics of being a part of the school and in, in terms of your being around and filming. But I, I love the fact that you focus on a little bit of attention, not a lot of attention, but enough for us to get a feel for the students and their interaction with each other. And Yaw, who yes. was just such a winning personality, even though she, she may not think of herself in those terms, but those are the kind of personal touches about this much bigger story that I thought really enhanced uh, the film. The film, again, is Let the Little Light Shine. And we're speaking with the director, Kevin Shaw. But let's talk a little bit about y'all for a moment or two. Yeah, I thought it was important to focus on that relationship. The principal, Isaac, uh, he has a great relationship with uh, all of his students there at NTA. But how would we be able to best kind of visually express that? And it was really kind of then taking the macro and focusing on a micro relationship that uh, was going on between him and the student, Yah, who was in fifth grade. She, like I just explained, just described Elizabeth being in, in elementary school. Yah was very shy, had some social anxiety that she was working through. And Isaac is really there to kind of just help mentor her uh, throughout throughout her time at, at NTA. Yah presented to us a student case as if the school did, if it did transition into a high school, um, she might be a student that's lost, yeah. that ends up getting lost in the in the cycle because she wouldn't have a, a principal or potentially some teachers who would really be there and kind of understand what was going on with her and be able to give her the guidance and, and leadership and mentorship that uh, she truly needs. And so just this, this relationship here as we watch it blossom over the course of the film uh, really spoke to me of, of the kind of work that the educators there at NTA do with all their students. It was really the best example to show someone over time how an educator can make an impact on a student's life uh, in ways that go beyond uh, getting good grades and go beyond uh, the lesson plan. You know, uh, Isaac is really instilling some some life lessons on finding your voice, you know, and being able to have that confidence to speak out for yourself and develop in a way that's going to help you blossom in the world. If you look at Yah today, who is now 
a, a junior at one of the top high schools in Chicago, and you see her speak in front of a public group, which she does uh, on many occasions now, then you see where those seeds were planted, you know, and they, they were planted there in those early conversations that she was having with, with Isaac and, and other educators there at NTA. Well, one of the interesting things about their conversations over the course of the film is her recognition, her personal, her understanding of herself. And as she's talking to Isaac about her issues, about the sort of anxiety about being around other people, her self-awareness of it and that willingness to have that dialogue with somebody, especially someone who's the principal of the school, right? I mean, that's not somebody you would think of as the person you would go to to share something like that which speaks to so much of, about the film itself and the kids and, and this environment. In terms of just kind of entering into this environment, what was your first impression as you came in to NTA and, and sort of be, you approached them about doing what you were going to do? What was that like for you? What, did you, what were your expectations? Well, I, I really wanted to understand why NTA was a special place and why was it a place worth fighting for. Uh, it's very evident to, to listen to the parents advocate at a community meeting or a press conference as to why it's important to, to keep their school uh, as is as an elementary school. But you really need to see that. You need to see these moments of, of teaching and mentoring that are going on that really explain why this is a special place, why it's a community bedrock, why it's a beacon for, for Black children. Uh, and so when I initially approached uh, Isaac, that was the main, those were the main tenets that I brought to him. I wanted to understand why this was a, a place worth fighting for. And Isaac was totally up for that. He knew the risks that would be involved because there might be people above him, his bosses, people in the school district who would look at it differently and look at it and say, well, um, you know, this is a school action that is going on and, and you should go with it regardless of what your personal feelings uh, are. And he went against that. And so he knew the risks involved in that. And we talked about that throughout the course of, of making the film of how could we make it uh, in, a, in a safe space, keep everybody safe, get everybody's permissions legally to film. Uh, and that meaning the parents, uh, that meaning the teachers uh, and, and making sure that the students uh, were, were okay with that and not be a disruption to the school day. You know, So I wanted to be in spaces where I could see some of the education going on, see some of the mentoring going on. There were specific characters uh, who kind of came to the front uh, that I wanted to follow during the school year. Those being obviously the eighth grade students were very vocal in regards to uh, the fight to save NTA. So I wanted to follow one or two of those students from that class. And, and Taylor Wallace was an eighth grade student in the film. She ends up kind of emerging as uh, that that voice for, for her class. She was at all of the events that I had went to in terms of community meetings, uh, always speaking out uh, to, to in, in regards to the fight. So uh, she, she emerged as a person uh, that I wanted to follow. 
community bedrock people, you know, who are some of those folks. And, and obviously Audrey Johnson is a, is a person that comes to mind. Uh, she is a, a, a volunteer and an employee there at the school and a longtime resident of the neighborhood, a former resident of the Harold Dickey homes, which were homes that were situated right next door to a National Teachers Academy. Those homes are eventually demolished and those residents are all kind of displaced during the time of the gentrification that's going on in the neighborhood. But, you know, she was a voice and a power and a person that, you know, was was fighting for her community and, and she didn't want any more displacement and she didn't want anything to happen to the education, not only for her children who went through NTA, but the children of the other community. So, it was voices like that that were important to find because they would definitely speak to uh, what was going on from their point of view. And then obviously, you know, we wanted to get people uh, who were in favor of, of changing NTA into a to a high school. And those were people from the South Loop community. So it was important to reach out to to those power brokers and, and get their point of view and, and be fair to to their reasonings as to why they felt like this was a, a necessary move. You know, they believe that there wasn't a high school, a, a viable high school in the neighborhood for their children to send their children to school. And, and that's why they were in favor of basically asking the community to to sacrifice and, and take take one for the team kind of and and have this change of NTA into to the high school. But, you know, it's just not that easy. That doesn't mean that there's going to be seats for everybody. It doesn't mean that everybody now is going to have access to this to this high school. And we talk about in the film historically how uh, there was a proposal several years prior to this time of us filming uh, where uh, there was a, a similar transition plan put together and it didn't go well, you know, where there were basically a majority of the white families from the South Loop uh, didn't really want to send their children to the same school uh, with, with the black children there from, from the neighborhood and asked for segregated entrances and segregated time frames for their children to to um, um, have school together and, and things of that nature. A, a crazy proposal, but this was something that unfortunately was woven into the fabric of, of this neighborhood now. So it wasn't going to be just a simple, hey, we'll transition the school and everybody will kind of live kumbaya style here or there. It, it was going to be much more difficult than that based off of the history that had happened prior. Uh, but regardless of that, it was important to have all of those points of view in the story, in the film, so that people could understand where everybody was coming from. And I thought you did a great job with that. And the the subtleties, the importance is all in the details In the as, as they were making their case for why MTA should become a high school part of it and all the, all the things, but it's in the contours of those conversations over the course of the film that we have, I think, a, a, a good idea what it was really about or what the ultimate goal was. In addition to all the things that we've been talking about, which are the, for my mind, some of the more personal parts of this, of the film, there is another whole level to this, which is kind of the politics, the, the, uh, the school board chance, the rapper is a part of this conversation in the story, his involvement with the school district up to the point where NTA became an issue is an interesting part of the film. And it is a bit of a thriller up to the last couple of minutes of the film. 
by the way, for people who are going to see this film, it will take you on a ride, a journey. And where it's going to end up is something that you'll definitely want to stick around to see. All of it, it has all of the elements. It has the drama. It has the tension. It has the personal stories to be told. And at the end of the day, it's the kids. I mean, it just can't help but be drawn to them and their stories and their energy, as I described earlier. So, Kevin Shaw, congratulations on this. I want to let people know that it is out in theaters right now as we speak. And currently here in Los Angeles, at the Lemley Monica Film Center. And I don't know from there, it sort of leaves off as to where the film is going from there. Help us out. Where can people see this if they haven't seen it in the theater already? Where where can we go? Our be- your best bet to watch the film will be when we uh, hit on PBS and their award-winning series POV. Our debut will be in December, December 12th. So check your local listings December 12th on PBS's POV series. And then we'll be on the PBS video app for a month for free right after that. My congratulations to you, Kevin Shaw, for your work on Let the Little Light Shine. And uh, you can go to Argo Pictures, A-R-G-O-T pictures.com, or you can go to you can go to lightshinefilm.com. That's, that is the best place to check out all the information and all of the things you would need to know about the film. Kevin Shaw, thank you so much for spending a little time with us here on Film School Radio. Mike, I really appreciate it. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music